1: For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network.
0: Welcome back to the altar tapes it's a weekly podcast dedicated to looking at altar shorts i'm joe Lipsit, and i'm joined by brother ghoulish hey everyone (laughs) (laughs) how you doing ryan
2: pretty good pretty good how about you
0: Uh, Not too bad. I'm still trying to process this short that we're talking about, The Thing That Ate the Birds, which is from 2021, directed by Dan Gitsum and Sophie Mayer. It's out of the UK, so we've got BFI co-funding with Alter slash Gunpowder and Sky. And uh, okay, so for folks who haven't watched this, it's an 11-minute short, and the logline is On the North Yorkshire Moors, Abel, head gamekeeper, discovers the thing that is eating his grouse. And that is, like, underselling it by a large margin. But, uh Brian, I'm interested. What did you think of this short?
2: I was so happy you picked it. Um You suggested it was my first time watching it. And mm-hmm. atmospherically from the top, it just pulled me in. Right? It shocked me at so many points and pleasantly. And... I mean, I'm a fan. I've watched it twice now.
0: Okay. Yeah, so this one was making the rounds because I gathered it had done the festival circuit. It was meant to debut in the short section of South by Southwest in 2020, which is, of course, the pandemic year. So it got a little bit delayed But um, when this came out, I noticed that all of the big horror sites had picked it up. So I thought, okay, this is one that Alter is pushing really hard. And I was interested to see why. And I can definitely understand why this is like a good selling feature for the channel. Because technically speaking, this one is fucking top tier. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so well done. It really is. And... It does a great job
2: of kind of faking you out a little bit in the beginning because based on the name of it and mm-hmm. also just like the first few moments, I actually thought it was going to be folk horror, which is yes. one of my faves. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't disappointed with where it went, but it, de- <laughs> it it deviates quite a bit from folk horror and it actually takes on, I guess it would be hard for me to put which box this subgenre would fit because there there's a, mm-hmm. some themes of like psychological horror in there for sure. Hmm. There's definitely a bigger metaphor play that I can't wait to get into with you. And man, they just did the damn thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's unpack that deceptively simple log line. So basically what's happening is we've got Abel, who is played by Owen Slattery. And yeah, so he's in charge of managing the wildlife in the Moors, which is like a very gorgeous kind of just open landscape like we've got these tall hills we've got sort of rocky pieces and it's a haven for birds but also that means that there's going to be predators like foxes and stoats and so he's walking around and looking at this with his assistant gameskeeper Jake who is played by Lewis McKinnon and they're tracking a bunch of like decapitated birds and initially you would think okay that's the entire short right they're just gonna try to find this thing that ate the birds and they end up coming across this creature who is played by james swanton who it's interesting james swanton is a very famous like creature actor in the uk i follow him on twitter and he's he's kind of like their doug jones in a way
2: oh nice
0: so it was pretty exciting to see him in this and basically abel shoots this creature and thinks that that's the end of it but then there's also this parallel side story going on about the disintegration of his marriage which seems to be coinciding with brexit we're getting all sorts of hints about the separation around the uk and um Yeah, I I thought it was a really fascinating way to sort of do the folk horror angle with this creature, and then also the psychological horror that you mentioned with the disintegration of his marriage, and of course, in just 11 short minutes, the whole thing collides as the creature who... Well, there's actually two creatures, but the short isn't always clear about that. Like, I immediately was like, oh, they killed one, and then another one came for them. But a lot of people have misinterpreted that they didn't kill the first one, and it comes for them. Whichever way you go for it, that's fine. They end up getting attacked in their house, and both Abel and his wife, Grace, who is played by Rebecca Palmer, are killed.
2: Mm, I did not catch the Brexit possible um, connection. I really love that. The way I interpreted it, like when it started, I I took the scene where Grace comes out and she accidentally steps on the blood Mm -hmm. and they use that as a transitional point to them sampling the blood in the Moors to Mm -hmm. basically be a connection between what's happening out in the Moors and then his marriage to try to, you know, establish that very early. And of course, at the point, I didn't catch that until more of the shorts started coming through. Right. Because (laughs) when he came home and she was basically very upset with him about staying out late and drinking, Mm -hmm. it almost felt like him hunting demons during the day was maybe a metaphor for toxic coping mechanisms. Right, And so then him coming home and being confronted by his wife is obviously agitating him because anyone who's using a toxic coping mechanism, obviously it's to solve like trauma or things that they're going through so when people poke at that people can sometimes take it very personal and blow up on the person that they're closest to who is their partner Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so we see this manifestation go a bit further where and it's funny because i also thought it was also two creatures
0: i know right right (laughs) i'm like you fully see him shoot it in the back of the head like at (laughs) close range it's dead (laughs) i hope so shoot (laughs) because then he's just been out there hunting demons for no
2: reason (laughs) If that's not enough to uh, blow the demon sky high, then I don't want any parts of it. Right. (laughs) But when we see later on how the demon seems to at first attack the wife Mm -hmm. and then him, it's almost like that toxic coping mechanism hit its fever pitch when she basically said, listen, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And it kind of reminds me of Back to Black by Amy Winehouse, how like when you have like these trauma bonds with people sometimes, and then those things dissolve, you just kind of go back to the thing that is your version of the blackness or the darkness, which can be addiction, or maybe Mm -hmm. drinking in his case, and how it's a slow roll. Like first it gets her, but then it gets him, you know, in the end.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, because there's definitely a metaphorical read of this, like, if you wanted to take a step back, it could be that there are no actual creatures, right? Like this is really him dedicating himself too much to this job, but also the fact that, yeah, he is an alcoholic and it is tearing Mm. their marriage apart. And in horror, that is literally represented by their murder and like the, the end of that relationship in bloody fashion.
2: Ooh, yes. I very much see that. I definitely do. And Did you also like fan for the scene in the beginning where they show the demon because of the sunlight and like because it feels like it's rare enough Mm -hmm. as it is that we see so much horror that is under the sun. And that's stuff that a bunch of horror fans have kind of given praise to certain films like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But I've also noticed that lately with horror, what people are starting to do is. They're not showing us the demons very often, or if they do, they're like shrouded. There's Mm -hmm. like a whole ass demon in the sunlight in this. And I was like, this is so pleasant. Like, I'm very taken off guard. I wasn't expecting to see anything.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting. I I tried to do a little bit of research just because whenever I watch a foreign short, I'm worried that I'm missing a little bit of cultural context. So I did end up tracking down uh, an interview that was conducted on the cinema spot just to get a little bit of additional insight. So one of the things that you and I might be missing because we're not overly familiar with Northern UK is that the Moors are actually set above a lot of land development like the the region has a history of doing lead mining so there's actually a bunch of like caverns and caves underneath the surface where creatures could hypothetically lurk so i noticed that in the comments on the youtube video a lot of folks were saying hey the creature design looks very similar to those from the descent and i was mm. like oh, okay so in this interview with the cinema spot the filmmakers referenced the idea that the first creature that we see is a baby and that's why it doesn't know to hide better or to run away like it basically is just lurking behind this bush in full daylight it's come up above the surface it's been doing this like playful biting heads off of birds and then uh yeah it gets stumbled upon and shot and the reality is like there's meant to be a bunch of other ones but maybe the mother or the the family members end up coming after Abel and Grace as a result. But I, I love the fact that we're actually getting to see this in broad daylight because you're right, it's it not only confirms the fact that the filmmakers have a lot of confidence in their creature design, but also the way like they know how to light it, they know how to shoot it. Sorry, I'm going all over the place now.
2: (laughs) No, but that, you should see my face right now. Like, that is so fascinating because that is a cultural piece that I didn't know about. Like, the lead mining underneath the moors. That's Mm -hmm. so fascinating. I can see why people really go up for this film because now I'm chomping at the bit to see that interview so that they can unpack a piece of that because that's very fascinating.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, like they have a whole detailed backstory that I don't think is ultimately necessary like i like to give credit to what filmmakers are trying to do but i think our impressions as an audience are just as important so you know like they have a whole backstory about like who grace is talking to on the phone and like the origins of some of that conflict with her and abel and i'm just like that's cool but also if i can't infer that from dialogue that we're hearing on her end of the phone call like I don't know that I really want to know all of that
2: (laughs) yeah I'm I'm the same school of thought and I think that makes horror more effective the less that I know because then I can take whatever my personal perception is of like what scares the hell out of me and project it onto the monster
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but
2: I still mm, I see why you looked it up though because it's still interesting to know what their take on it was as well you know when Mm -hmm. they were going in to make this
0: yeah yeah So one of the things that I found interesting was how I mentioned that this is a bit of a response to Brexit, and the reason that I initially latched onto that is because I was watching the short with subtitles, and when Abel first wakes up on the couch, which is, you know, red flag number one, that he and his wife are not doing particularly well because she's in the bed, he's on the couch, so clearly they've at least had a fight. We learn later on that this is like part of an ongoing disagreement. And you can hear on the radio, it's like a a call-in station and people are talking about like changes in the way that the government and the nation are going. And it's meant to be a reflection of Abel and who he is because he's obviously sort of a set in his ways kind of, I will deal with things in my own particular fashion and I don't know, like, he's an interesting contrast when you see how he interacts with Grace, who is obviously trying, but she's so fucking frustrated with him and his drinking. Like, you can see her get triggered in Mm -hmm. the kitchen scene, especially when he, like, pours himself that glass of wine. And then also his interactions with Jake, the assistant gameskeeper, who seems... He's not only, like, visually coded as younger, but also he's very much like, no, we don't need to shoot this thing. And Abel's first reaction is, oh, I see this thing. It's not moving. It's not threatening us. But I'm just going to shoot it and be done with it.
2: Mm. And the thing is essentially eating birds, which are symbols of, like, freedom. Mm -hmm. So there's also that piece that's working. So. Do you think that's a part of why the wife referred to him as a Neolithic during their art argument because of the way that he perceives things versus how she does?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, he's unwilling to change. He's caught in amber. He is mm. a traditionalist, right? And she's like, no, things need to evolve, like, our fucking marriage.
2: Mm, that's so good, especially because that would explain why as he's hunting these demons and things, it feels like time is moving around him because him coming home and her being upset almost seems to be a surprise to him. And even when Mm -hmm. he woke up in the couch in the morning, you would think he would take a little bit more time just to go in there and check on her, make sure she's okay and try to repair the relationship. I mean, it just goes back to one of those old sayings that a lot of us have heard that when you are married to someone, try not to go to bed upset or angry with each other oh yeah Mm -hmm. try to get to that point where we can at least come to a mutual agreement and try to work through this because tomorrow's not promised and especially in situations where there is something eating our birds or our freedom it's even more important for us to stick together and work through this thing versus separating each other even more and especially to hunt something that seems to be maybe a bit above what the weapons that we have because Mm -hmm. clearly if this thing can be more skilled and come and attack you in your home at night, you could be asleep when that happens. So it's going to take more of a community effort to really get the monster out of the picture.
0: Right. Well, and one of the things that I really, really love about this short is how it's telling you things, but it's also not telling you things. So, like, there's an opening moment where after Abel leaves for the day, so he opens the door, he looks at Grace, and we can see that she's awake but she's not responding like he doesn't call out to her and she doesn't try to engage with him and i've seen some people interpret that scene as oh, okay he knows that there's an issue but he's not he's like you know what i'm just gonna go to work i'm not gonna deal with it and she's like i'm not gonna engage with him because i'm just mm-hmm. gonna let it play out but i've seen other people say oh she's afraid of him and like, there's a suggestion that there's like a history of abuse there. And I was like, people are digging into this so deeply. And I feel like it's because the short is, it's queuing us to a bunch of different things, but it's not, it's not confirming anything. So it's really letting us theorize and kind of bring out our own interpretations.
2: And that's what makes it, I think, so effective, because if everyone got I think like the same conclusion, then I don't think that it would be as talked about because mm-hmm. it would just be kind of like right in your face because you saying that it made me consider something that I found strange about the short in a good way. Cause obviously I'm fangirling at this point, but um, <laughs> when, when the wife is actually sitting like on the ground and she's bleeding out, that's mm-hmm. the only camera angle that's actually like up at the husband as he's coming towards her And you can see the demon behind him Right. And that one camera Angle just stood out to me and I think It's even the thumbnail um, it on, is, yeah. mm-hmm. And I think that I can see where some people Watching would take that camera angle And also the way that they put The demon and this Person together in that shot mm-hmm. As maybe they are one and the same One and the that same,
0: moment. yep mm-hmm. I had the exact same response Because I was just I mean, in some ways, it it's doing that traditional horror movie thing, right? Where it's lingering on the horror. It's really letting it settle in, like, this man's about to be attacked. But part of me was like, he's not reacting. Almost like he mm-hmm. and the monster are one and the same. Ooh,
2: that is so, so, so good. And there is a way that people... Like, let's say, theoretically, he isn't one and the same with the monster. If we look at that side of the coin, it still fits that he is in league with the monster because he's unwilling to change. So he's silently Mm -hmm. complicit in the destruction that's happening around him.
0: Right. Okay, so I've got a question for you because one of the other points of not contention but questioning is in that opening moment, so after Abel goes to work and Grace comes out, she steps on a piece of glass in the kitchen and she cuts her foot. And I've seen people, again be split right down the middle some people say oh that's a sign of abel's alcoholism he's dropped something he's broken a glass he hasn't bothered to clean it up because he was drunk or some people have said that's actually a sign that the creature has already broken into the house before
2: i have to give you credit and agree with the first point i I do think it
0: has something to do with
2: him being drunk causing damage as a result, and that damage splashing over and hurting his partner, mm-hmm. quite literally in this case, but also right. metaphorically. Mm-hmm. Um, but that didn't cross my mind until now, because at first I thought it was to set up a transition to show that there is some toxicity in the marriage right? through him trauma bonding with her and how he kind of couples her into his issues. Because a lot of people who are very toxic like that, they just splash out and hurt people around them. Mm-hmm. And so he's coupling her into his issues when that's not the case. But it sounds more like that first one, for sure.
0: Yeah, because the way I read it is like the creature would have left him alone if he hadn't killed the younger one. And then it's like, OK, well, you did me dirty. Now I'm going to follow you home and I'm going to make you suffer. Or I'm going to make you hurt. Yeah, And that they did. I mean, because that last shot. Oh, my God. <laughs> right (sighs) yeah i mean okay so let's talk about this this is obviously a slightly more well-funded short because we've got two financiers on this Mm -hmm. but i mean we talked a little bit about how well shot the short is but like let's talk about this gore because we get freaking decapitated bodies in this short
2: yeah and it looks good
0: and it's it, real good. <laughs> especially
2: because it's as the sun is coming up. So mm-hmm. you can really see, due to the lighting, just all the small mm-hmm. details that went into putting this together.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where I try to take every short at its own sort of level. Like, some shorts have more money than others. Some were probably shot over a longer period of time, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I mean... This one just, it truly does have a cinema level quality to it that watching this and then seeing people do the usual like, oh, this is so great. Would love to see a feature version of it. I was like, I can see a feature version of this because it's all there on display, right? Like they just need a bit more money and a bit more time. But I could see this playing on the big screen.
2: I have to second that. And I'm pretty sure that they're right in the same school of thought with you because like you said they have all this additional information as to who grace was speaking with and even some of the lore around the monsters so it sounds like they if they needed to could easily expand it out and Mm -hmm. i also want to give a huge shout out to whoever did the sound score because it helped establish the atmosphere very early Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i'm not one to typically pick up on a ton of the sound like i always recognize that it's there but it has to almost stand out to make me notice it and in this case The attention to the sounds like just the the sounds of the moors the animals Mm -hmm. but also even things like when she's chopping vegetables in the kitchen like we can hear her cutting faster when he starts to drink and she's becoming more frustrated and impatient and maybe scared and all of that is so subtle but so vital to make sure that we understand the nature of the relationship
2: Mm, yeah yeah very much so and All of these elements show me that maybe this short is really about people who are afraid of change or Mm -hmm. like people who are kind of just stuck in their ways and how that is still harmful to people.
0: Yeah, yeah. You very much get the impression that Abel is a certain kind of person, right? So he approaches his job in the same way he approaches his relationship. And even though the people around him are trying to communicate with him, you know, Jake tells him, don't shoot the creature. When he gets home, Grace is like, I want to work on this. Do you want me to leave? Because that's where I'm at. And Abel is giving them nothing. Like, he is a very specific kind of person. I feel like we all know in Abel. And that kind of unwillingness to bend or consider the opinions or the feelings Mm -hmm. of other people, it's dangerous, right?
2: Hell yeah. It makes you, you know, like we were talking about a little bit earlier with that shot. It makes you in step with the monster that's trying to get us out of here whether it's intentional Mm -hmm. or not because your inability to change can actually be manipulated to the malevolent deeds that other people are trying to pull out i mean you can think about it with institutional issues like racism and stuff too like sometimes people are silently complicit with stuff like that not realizing that their silence is actually perpetuating something Mm -hmm. at the exact same time
0: Mm -hmm. Mm Hmm. yeah I mean, one of my favorite horror movie tropes is like if people just spoke to each other and communicated things, (laughs) maybe this wouldn't have to happen. (laughs) Yes, I actually find it funny sometimes because usually like in the older
2: horror movies that I like watch growing up, it's just a common thing that it's like you need to believe in your kids when they're talking Mm -hmm. to you. That's one of them. Or you need to tell your partner that you thought you saw a demon, even if you think it's because you hallucinated it i don't know that's still useful information
0: Mm -hmm, (laughs) when we stop mm -hmm. talking
2: to each other like
0: that's where the problem is (laughs) yep 100 (laughs) uh and then to see that shot of her with her throat slashed she's terrified but then she becomes more terrified because she's actually worried about him because she sees the creature coming up behind him you're just like you did this, Abel. Like, yeah. you you are directly responsible. Whether you want to say it's because you didn't listen to your wife or because you didn't listen to your assistant groundskeeper or because you were hasty and you just, like, shot at the thing that is different and you're scared of, it has followed you home and now your wife is leading out in front of you.
2: Mm, yeah. And the way that that must have also impacted him in that moment just because he knows deep in his heart he's the he's the cause of all this chaos Mm -hmm. because it's not like she hasn't likely been kind of warning him along the way and trying to get him to come around before she reached a point of being
0: as frustrated as she was right Yeah, I love too that a bunch of folks think that the end is particularly poetic because he has been decapitated, right? And it's not just, oh, it's a great money shot to end the short on, but also it's like the one thing he wasn't using was his head.
2: Okay, no, that's purposeful.
0: I I actually have to agree. I have to agree with that. (laughs) I do. Do you think it was also
2: purposeful that they named him Cain? Almost kind of like a nod Mm -hmm. to the Cain and Abel thing
0: in the Bible? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. the sins of man. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. The first murder, essentially. Yep. Yeah. yeah, no, honestly. I mean, I think we could probably go on and on about this, but I just... I was so impressed with what they managed to accomplish this is not a long short right like sure we've seen seven and eight minute shorts but like 11 minutes to me is pretty much an average for ultra shorts and this one just feels so rich and complex but also deceptively so right like in some ways it's very simple it's a guy who discovers a creature shoots it it follows him home kills him and his family. Exactly. And the funny thing is that I think that's what works about shorts
2: like this and even feature length films to do the same thing where at a topical level, if you're just watching it, it's scary and you don't necessarily have to try to unpack it if you don't want. Mm -hmm. Um, You can still have a damn great time. Right. But I like that you use the word rich because that's what it feels like. This is a multi layered experience where when you do start watching it more, you start noticing all these details. And to me, that makes it more enjoyable. That's like part of the fun for me, Mm -hmm. like trying to find these elements in the film and also it helps me relate to the characters in a different way too when that happens. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm taking it that you and I would both be heavily in favor of watching an extended version of this or a feature length version of this.
2: 100%. I want I want to see more about this storyline and I want to mm-hmm. see uh Kane especially I mean uh, um Wait, was his name Abel or Cain? I just mixed it up in my head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> his name is Abel, but like you hear the name Abel and you immediately think of Abel and Cain. Right, exactly. Okay, so I
2: meant to say I want to see Abel actually interact with other people around mm-hmm. the Moors and like see some of the world around the neighborhood that they stay in, their community. And that gives me different perspectives of him. And also it gives us more of a victim pool because, you know, it is still a horror movie. And I still want to see all that.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because you could really spend a first act just introducing like, hey, something weird is going out on the moors, we're starting to find bodies, right? Because they, they mention, oh, it could be foxes, it could be stouts. Uh So you could have them sort of conducting an investigation as we get to watch a sort of stretched out version of how long he and grace have been working on their marriage like maybe we get to introduce that character she's talking on the phone to who's very concerned for her but is maybe also romantically interested in her
2: Ooh, okay yes and also when we have like therapy scenes with them and stuff there's obviously something that he's not sharing and so Mm -hmm. we get to see in those flashes that he's interacting with what he perceives to be a demon and so we can actually see the catalyst of her finding out about the demon if he ever tells her at all right
0: yeah because i i very much get the impression that this is a couple who don't talk to each other so like i can't even imagine that he's telling her about what's going on in the outside world and that follows too because i believe that a
2: lot of people who are you know trying to kill their own demons or hunt their own demons in private like that they don't talk about those things so Mm -hmm. all we get to see on the outside is just the after effects whether it's because they're intoxicated or whether it's because they're lashing out and you don't quite understand why Mm -hmm. and that's like a good lesson for people to go away from a longer feature length of this too where you do have to no matter how painful it is you have to talk about these things whether it's with your partner with if you're of faith you know a pastor Or, you know, a mental health expert, whether it's a therapist, you have to get this stuff out. Or Mm -hmm. else it is going to manifest into, you know, these monsters in the moors. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The
0: silence will have violent consequences. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, okay. Final question. If this did get turned into a feature, would you want to see the ending kept in place? Would you want to still see Grace suffer for his silence? Would you want to see him die? Because... The problem is this works really well as a short, but when you're talking about a feature that you're trying to get a larger audience to come and pay for, these downer endings tend to not resonate as strongly with audiences.
2: Yeah, I was just thinking that. The thing is, because I would want it to stay the same for my own personal effects, but Mm -hmm. I can also Mm -hmm. understand that for a more commercial release, they're going to deviate away from that. They may even do something like, introduce a child into the mix i wouldn't be surprised oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um so then that way it's easier for them to justify um a more everybody live type situation they may still right. let him die because he's he has to pay for his sins um right but i can definitely see that and also just to be clear i wouldn't be upset if they chose to go that route either i think i just mm-hmm. i like a grim ending every once in a while <laughs>
0: i do too and it feels like particularly british/northern slash Northern ireland I could very much imagine them having him sacrifice himself because he realizes the damage that he's done and that allows Grace and maybe some hypothetical child to, like, go off and and live with the knowledge that, okay, he, he made a sacrifice for us. I don't think it would be as pointed. I wouldn't like it as much, but I could see it as a kind of compromise.
2: Yeah, for sure. I, I could also see that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, well, Ryan, if people want to get a hold of you to talk more about this short, how would they do so? You can find me on social media
2: at Brother Ghoulish. I don't know why I paused for a second. I forgot who I was (laughs) "Mm -hmm. "Mm apparently. Wait, who am I right now? (laughs) (laughs) And um, you can listen to me on Blurdy Massacre with Sharae and Zero. Or on Brother Ghoulish's tomb, which is now a horror variety pod. It's something different every week. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. She's branching out. She's branching you know, out. You know, experimenting. What <laughs> <have> you. <laughs>
0: Whatever. Stop doing all the things, Ryan. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> uh, yes. And if folks want a little bit more of me, there's a new episode of Horror Queers that drops every Wednesday, and I can be reached at Beast on my Remote, and that's the letter B. So thank you to the Anatomy of a Scream pod squad for hosting the altar tapes. And uh, I mean, you and I may not be back here next week. It could be one of our other lovely co-hosts. But Mm -hmm. I guess regardless of how things go, learn to fucking communicate with your loved ones. Because this silence thing, it's just going to get you decapitated yeah
2: and if it doesn't then just understand that you are silently working with monsters in the moors <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you don't want that
0: no <laughs>
1: the anatomy of a scream pod squad